Okay, so we're going to pick it up from the beginning of Daf Lamed Vav Amid Aleph, just to review what we're talking about. There's a Machlekes between of Yechanan and Rish Lakish. If you do Chalitza and Yibam when a, a person is pregnant, when a woman is pregnant, which you're obviously not supposed to do, because you're supposed to wait until the pregnancy is over to, to see if the baby dies or lives. But if you did it, and then the baby passes away, do we say, So the kasha was, we mentioned the b'risa. The b'risa said, the b'risa said like this, that if a woman is uh, pregnant, the tzara, and then she does yibam, when she's pregnant, the tzara is not free, because we have to see what's going to be with the baby. The implication is that if the baby dies, then the tzara then needs yibam then. So the cash is, it's not like Rabbi Yechonah. Rabbi Yechonah feels that the bia, the bia of a Yavama that's pregnant is considered a good bia. So then why can't the Tzara leave? The co-wife, the co-wife, uh, the co-wife is living with this guy. Right? The, co-wife, the, 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 the co-wife did Yibam. She's pregnant, but she did Yibam. So the other co-wife should be able to go. She says, Manashach. If the baby dies, you did Yibam already. If the baby didn't die, then, she, she's, uh, then she's, uh, she's giving birth. So why, why can't you go? So the Gemara says it must be that that the bias meuberes loishma bia, and it's not like Rav Yechonon. So Abaye said, okay, maybe Rav Yechonon only said his shita by chalitza. The chalitza of a pregnant woman is a valid chalitza, not the bia of a pregnant woman. And then Rabbi said to that, I don't see the, dif- the difference. Meaning, if it's considered valid, it's valid. If it's invalid, it's invalid. So let's pick it up. So the Gemara says, Ela Amar Rabbi, three lines into the page. This is what the Brisa actually means. If a man lives with his Yavama when she's pregnant, the co-wife is not allowed to, is not free. Why? You know what Rav says? Rav says the Brisa actually is a rioter of Yechonon. How so? Again, what's Rav Yechonon Shita? Rav Yechonon Shita is that a pregnant woman who gives, who has bia, and then she loses the baby, retroactively it's valid. So why over here is the co-wife not free? The answer is very simple. What did we say? We said the co-wife should be free mamanavshach. What's the mamanavshach? If the baby dies retroactively, the co-wife did yibum. If the baby doesn't die, then she has a baby. But when do you know that? You know that when the baby is born five months later, meaning there's two heterim to let this woman go. Either the co-wife did yibam, or the co-wife is going to give birth to a healthy boy. If the co-wife did yibam, that's taking place right now retroactively. If the co- if the co-wife, if you're relying on the heter of the fact the co-wife is going to give birth, then it's only valid when the baby is walking around. Meaning, we were assuming that the, the point of the brisa is that the co-wife is not free. So we thought the co-wife's not free because if the baby dies then it's not a valid yibam. The answer is no. The co-wife's not free because if the baby survives, then she's only exempt then. Meaning, it, it, you know, the, the woman's six months pregnant. She gives birth in three months. If the baby's healthy, then you're exempt. So the reason why you can't go free is not because we're worried if the baby dies or tries. No, it's that if the baby's healthy, you're only exempt when the baby's healthy. That's the problem. So it's a waiting game. It's not because bias muberis loishma bia. Really, bias muberis shma bia. Does that mean if you have a child that's sick, uh, you have to wait until the baby has No, 30 days. 30 days. 30 days. 
have to wait 30 days. The point is, so the, the Brysa really backs up Rabbi Yechanan. And the reason why she's not free is not because we're afraid if the baby dies, it's not a valid Bia. No, if the baby dies, she'll be fine. It's the problem is if the baby survives. Then she's only exempt when the baby's born. You're not, you can't exempt a woman. If Eliyahu comes, a woman's pregnant and says the baby's going to be healthy, the other one can't marry. You have to wait until the baby's born. So that's the point. The Gemara says, Tanya Kavase Rava. We have a rice that backs up Rava. The Brice says, If a man lives with the Yavama when she's pregnant, the co wife is not free. Why? Because the baby might be healthy. And when the baby's healthy, the exemption is the baby. And the baby only exempts when he's walking around, when he's healthy. 30 months, 30 days after the baby's born. Taima, the, the Gemara actually brings a rias. You see this Bryce says, Mamish like Rav Yechanan. Taima, the Shemi Evlad ben Kayama, Haloi Havivlad ben Kayama, Miftit Sarasa. The actual point of the Bryce is the opposite. It's like Rav Yechanan, that if the baby dies, then it would actually be a valid Ibum. It's that if the baby survives, then the exemption is not the Ibum, the exemption is the baby's birth, so you have to wait for the baby to be born. So the Gemara says this is actually a Bryce according to Rav Yechanan, not according to Rish Lakish. So the Gemara says, again, this Gemara you sort of have to do yesterday's in, in one flow. The Gemara says, Time the Shem Vlad, let me tap to you for the Rishlakish. This price is kind of not like Rishlakish, it's like Rabbi Yechanan. So I'm like Rishlakish, Haki Katani. So Rishlakish has to tight up the price according to him, which is Haki Katani. Hakoinis Yevimtai, Venimtis Muberes, if you live with a Yavama and she turns out to be pregnant, Harezu Loitinasit Sarasa, the co wife is not free. Why? Because maybe the baby will die. He interprets the Bryce as saying that the problem is the baby might die. And if the baby dies, Rish Lakish holds that Yibam of a pregnant woman retroactively is invalid. And if you want to say, why should I assume the baby dies, most babies survive, then, then you have to wait. Meaning, according to Rishlakish, you have to wait Meman of Shach. Why? If the baby will die, retroactively was not a good Yibam, according to him. And if you're going to say, well, okay, why would I assume a baby's going to die? A pregnant woman probably gives birth to a healthy baby. Then you got to wait until she's born. Meaning, Meman of Shach, she's not free now. So according to Rabbi Yochanan, she's not free because... The, you have to assume that one of the ways she's free is that the baby will be born, in which case you have to wait for the baby to be born. But retroactively, it actually would be valid, but it's irrelevant because you have to wait for the baby to be born. Rishlagish says you have to wait for the baby to be born, but retroactively it would not be valid. So they're both just interpreting it in their view. Okay, fine. Amr Avalaza. So we have an achlaikis between Rishlagish and Rishlakish, whether a chalitza amuberes or a bia of a muberis is considered valid retroactively. So you did chalitza with a pregnant woman, then she loses the baby. We say retroactively it was valid. Same thing with yibam. The Gemara assumes that the Pesach is following Rish Lakish. That's the Gemara's assumption. So the Gemara says, Amar of Elazar, Efshar Islahadar Rish Lakish, Masisan. It can't be that Rish Lakish's shita is not found in Mishnais. Meaning, we pass him like Rish Lakish, as we're going to see later on. See, he's got to have some source in Tanayak literature. So Nafek Dak so he started to look into Mishnayis, and this is what he found. He found what he felt was a source for Rish Lakish, that again, a chalitza of a pregnant woman is invalid. What was the source? The Tanan. Okay, so you have two wives. 
One wife and her husband go on vacation. The other wife stays home. She gets word, the one who stayed home gets word that her husband died. So the question is, does she need to do chalitza? Now, she doesn't know if her co-wife is pregnant, because her co-wife went on vacation. So if her co-wife is pregnant, then she doesn't have to do chalitza even if she gives birth to a healthy baby. If the co-wife's not pregnant, then she has to do chalitza even. So what's the halacha? What does she do? Again, she doesn't, she can't communicate with the co-wife, she can't reach her, she doesn't know if she's pregnant. So the halacha is, You have to wait. Until you find, until you hear word back from her, you have to wait. You can't do anything. So the Gemara is a kasha. The Gemara says, he, I'll speak it out and we'll see it inside. If you hold the chalitza's valid retroactively, do chalitza now. Just do chalitza. I understand you can't do yivum, because maybe your co-wife's pregnant, and maybe you're an eshesach, you know, and you're not supposed to be doing evil, but just do chalitza anyway. And then you'll find out afterwards, if the baby died, if she's not pregnant, you did chalitza. If she was pregnant, then, and, if, and if the baby died, then it was a valid chalitza, and if the baby's born, then you have a baby. Meaning just do chalitza anyway. What does it hurt? Why does the b'risa say, you don't do anything, just do chalitza? According to Rav Yechanan, it's valid, retroactively. So just do chalitza anyway. That's the Gemara's kasha. So it must be the fact that it doesn't mention that as an option. It means the chalitza is not an option. Yeah? I'm sorry. So says that it's not retroactively Correct. So according to him, it makes sense why you're not offering to do chalitza, because it won't be retroactively good. That's the answer. He got the answer. So... Boo. <laughs> so the Gemara says, Bish, let me yuvu miloy. I understand why she can't do yuvu until the co wife comes back. Shamiyev lad ben kayama, because maybe the co wife had a baby. And then she'll be having, every time yuvu, when it's not a mitzvah, is your sister in law. So she'll be living with her brother in law. And. But why can't she do chalitza now? I understand why she can't do chalitza now and then just get married right away because you have to still at least wait to see if she gave birth. You have to at least wait nine months to hear if she gives birth. I understand that. Let her do chalitza now and then after nine months, let her get married. If the baby died, it's a valid chalitza. If the baby is born, then there's a baby. If there is no baby, you did chalitza. you did chalitza. So the Gemara says, why is this never an option? So the Gemara says, I'll ask you a better kasha. Why can't you just do chalitza after nine months? Meaning, what does the Brisa say? The Brisa says, you have to wait for the co-wife to come back to see if she had a baby. And that could be five years. You have to wait five years. So we said, why not just do chalitza within nine months? Because according to Rav Yochanan, it'll be Lema Forget about that. Wait nine months, then do chalitza. And that'll work according to everybody. Because either she had a baby... Or she didn't have a baby. But just do chalitza after nine months. What's the answer? The answer is what Adam says, which is, every time you do chalitza, you're potentially assering her to kahuna. So we don't want to just do chalitza misafik, because we could wait and find out if she had a baby. Because if she had a baby, then the chalitza was meaningless. We don't want to just make a... And by the way, and then to have a chalitza, find that she had a baby, and then to announce, oh, she can marry a kain because it was an invalid chalitza, is going to lead people to thinking that someone who did chalitza can marry a kain. It's, it's, it's a bad idea. That's the point. So the Gemara says, 
According to everybody, you should be able to do chalitza after nine months, because the baby's already born, if there is a baby. So rather, what's the reason why we don't allow you to do chalitza in that case, and we wait for the co-wife to come back from traveling? Because we're actually afraid that she'll have a baby, in which case, she didn't have to do chalitza at all. I, you said, well, she'll do chalitza misafik, why not? The answer is, because she came out of and now she wants to marry a Kayan, we have to make announcements before the chasana. Oh, that chalitza was suffolk and it was invalid and she didn't need to do chalitza. And it's not a good idea. So the Gemara says, what's the big deal? Why can't you just announce it? Meaning, let her do chalitza. She won't really need to have done chalitza. Then you'll find out that there was a baby. So she didn't have to do chalitza. She wants to marry a Kayan, so she could because it was an invalid chalitza. Ah, you'll have to make an announcement, right? In order for her to marry a Kayan, you'll have to make an announcement saying, oh, that the chalitza was invalid. So do that. There's a lot of annoyances in life. So make her, let her marry a Kayan while making an announcement. The answer is, Amr Labaya, Dilma Ike The answer is, we're afraid some people will hear about the announcement. But we'll not hear about we'll hear about her doing chalitza, but not hear about that it was an invalid chalitza. So they're just going to hear a lady did chalitza and then she married a kohen. Basically, because of that scenario, we don't like suffolk chalitzas, and therefore, in this case, where if you could wait for her to come back, we're going to do that. That's the first answer in the brisa. Again, the brisa said that you have to wait for the you can't marry until the what, the co-wife gets back to find out if she was pregnant. And the gemara says, why can't you do chalitza? And the gemara says, well, because it's a bad idea. Abaya has another answer. You know what Abaya says? It never actually says in the brisa you can't do chalitza. It just says you can't marry. What it means is you can't marry without doing chalitza. You can't do yibam. If you want to do chalitza, you could. So the answer is you could do chalitza. According to Abayah's part. If the wife goes, if the co-wife goes uh, overseas and you're not sure whether she's pregnant, you could actually just do chalitza and then it's fine. You could. It never says not to. It just says you can't marry, meaning you're not free to marry. And you can't do yibam. You could do chalitza if you want. You could also wait. That's Abayah's interpretation. Uh, I have no idea. I, I, I'll be honest with you. The likelihood of me getting asked this type of question is incredibly slim. Well, it's not common anyway to do chalitza. So it's not and common. if the husband and the co-wife... <laughs> do, you know how many, right. do you know how many things have to happen right. for this? You're like, co-wife? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Zobi <laughs> Elias mentioned, uh, I think, uh, when he gave the daf one night, he said that in the Sardi community, they, they actually do uh, chalitza. Yeah, no, no, everyone does chalitza. Everyone does chalitza. Everyone does chalitza. You still have to do chalitza. No one does yibam. Svardim, no, 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 no. Svardim, Ravavadia tried to institute yibam when he was the chief rabbi of Tel Aviv. He tried to, because the truth is, the Ramah is the one who says not to do yibam anymore. The Mechaber, the Shulchan Aruch, the author of the Svardi Halacha, never said not to. It just, the Svardim picked it up from us. So Ravavadia actually tried to reinstate yibam. But it didn't work. It was one of the few things that he did. Sounds didn't. like it did work in some communities. <laughs> no, that, that's, uh, those are just mums there. So the Gemara says, Tanik Lakish. The Brisa backs up a Rishlakish that again, the Chalitza of a pregnant woman is invalid. The Brisa says, Hachoyletz the Muberes, If you do Chalitza to a pregnant woman and then she loses the baby, she has to do Chalitza again. It was invalid Chalitza retroactively. That's like Rishlakish and Alekar 
The halacha follows your shlokish in the following three halachas. The first one is what we just said. The next two are completely unrelated to the laws of Yivam. Uh, they have to do with inheritance. For a moment, they're not hard. We'll just run through them. The first one is what we just said. That again, that the chalitza of a pregnant woman is invalid if she loses the baby. Idoch, the second halacha that we follow Rish Lakish is the Tanah, and the Mishnah says, Hamechalik nechasav alpiv, riba leechot, umiya leechot, vihishvalehem esabachar, dvar of kayamin. The halacha is like this. The Torah tells us how inheritance is supposed to work, right? The bachar is supposed to get double, there's a whole process. On your deathbed, a person is able to change that. A person is able to say, I want all my money to go to the second son. The reason why that works is because we perceive it as a gift, not an inheritance. That's how it's perceived. Okay? So the halacha is, im omer mishum yerusha. So if you say I'm it's sorry, a, specifically on his deathbed? Correct, yes. The, the truth is, on the deathbed has other exceptions, is because shchiv meira, you don't need kinyanim. The truth is, um, the truth is, the deathbed just works so that you don't have to make kinyanim, you don't have to have a star. But even before the deathbed, if you verbalize it as a gift, it will be valid. It's a good point. Um, but it has to be that you mention it's a gift. If you say Yerusha, if you say, I want all, I want my second son to inherit everything, no good. Because now you're using terminology, you're going up against the Torah. You're masna mashakasa Torah to bottle, which is you're trying to sort of make a stipulation against the Torah. The Torah has rules about inheritance. You want to make it a gift, that's fine. But if you use the words inheritance, no good. Now, the Gemara speaks it out. Um, and then the Mishnah says that if, let's say, you're writing in the document, as long as you use the word gift once, you could say, my son B will get a gift. That is his inheritance. That works because you mentioned gift. As long as you mention gift, whether you mention the beginning of the document, the end of the document, the middle of the document, you're fine. Even if you also used Lashinus of a Yerusha, as long as you used gift, that's fine. Go to the next page. Rish Lakish is saying the following. This is based on a teaching um, in Baba Basar. There was a certain Amor in Baba Basar who felt, let's say you're giving gifts to two different sons. As long as you use the Lashon of gift to one son, it's fine even if the other son uses a Lashon of Yerusha. Rish Lakish disagrees. Each son has to have a lotion of gift. Okay, that's Rish Lakish. That's the second teaching of Rish Lakish. Again, the sugi is obviously not for now, but that's the second teaching of Rish Lakish, that each son has to have a lotion of matana. What's the third teaching of Rish Lakish? V'idach detanan. Okay, the third teaching is like this. Hakaisiv kol nechasav levnoi lachar moisai. If a person, if a father says, I am selling, uh, I want all of my uh, properties to go to my son now and after death. What does that mean? You say now and after death. The halacha is, what it means is like this. Right, It means after death he gets everything. But it means right now the son gets the land, but the father retains the rights to the produce. Okay? So if you say, the son immediately gets the land itself. But the father gets the rights to the paris, the rights to the fruit. So let's say it's it's, it's corn, a cornfield. So the, the son owns the cornfield, but the father owns the corn on the cornfield. Now because of this, you understand, that's what Kaisiv Noi Lachar Misa means. It means you're transferring after death everything, but until death you're transferring the 
the rights to the land to the sun, but you're retaining rights to the produce. Now, because of this, so you have a land that the land belongs to the son, but the produce belongs to the father, so they both can't really sell anything without the other, because, you know, I can't sell you a cornfield if I don't have the rights to the corn, right? And the father can't sell the cornfield if he doesn't have rights to the, the land. You understand? You sort of need both. You don't need both. So the Gemara says, The father can't sell because the father gave over the rights to the land to the son. He just has the rights to the fruit. The son can't sell it because he doesn't have rights to the fruit. He only has rights to the land. So they need a joint sale. Now, Now, the father could sell his rights to the fruit until his death. Again, the father says, right now until I die, what that means is he's transferring right now to the son the land, but he's holding on to the produce, the value, the actual fruit itself is his. He could sell that, he could sell the rights to the produce until he dies. Okay. Machar um, haben, and if the son sells it, ein klum if the son sells it, it's only valid after the father's death. Because again, he does not have rights to the Paris until after his father dies. Now here's the question. Let's say the son sells it. So again, it takes effect when the father dies. But the son dies before the father. What happens? Who gets it after the father's death? Again, if the son sells it generally after the father's death, it goes to whoever he sold it to. But over here, the son sold it, and then before the father died, the son died. So the question is, after the father's death, does it go to the father's kids, or does it go to the person that the son sold it to? You understand? And the son sold it, which normally will take effect after the father dies, but now the son died before the father. So when the son dies, does that cancel the sale? Or does no? After the father dies, then whoever the son sold it to can, 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 uh, can acquire the land, can take the land. It really has to do with who's the real owner of the land at the time. At the time of the sale, the son had the, the rights to the, 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 the karka. The father had the rights to the produce. The question is, who is the real owner? Normally, when the son sells it, it's because the father is masking that it should go over after his death. But over here, where the son died before, does the father hold on to the... Is the father the real owner? Meaning, is the Kenyan Paris Kenyan Haguf? Or Kenyan Paris Lav Kenyan Haguf? Is the owner of the fruit like the owner of the land or not? That's, that's the Shaila. Again, it's, it's a complex issue and it's not really our sugya. But this is the third teaching of, 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 of Rish Lakish. The Gemara says... Rishlakish holds that if the son dies, then the father dies, the one who the son sold it to after the father's death can go get the land. Why? Rav Yechanan says it's not a valid sale once the son dies because the one who owns the fruit is the real owner. So therefore the father is the real owner. So he's willing to have the sale take place after he dies, but if the son dies, it reneges the sale. It cancels the sale for whatever reason. I'm not 100% sure why, but that's, that's the reason. Rosh Lakish says, no, this, the, the person who bought the land can actually get it after the father dies because uh, owning the fruit is not considered the Iker uh, ownership, and therefore the real owner is the, is the son. So when the son dies... And then the father dies, the the one the sold it to can go get it. Okay. All right.
back to the Mishnah. The Mishnah said like this. If you did Yibam on a pregnant woman, and then she lost the baby, so the Mishnah said, Yikayim, you could stay with her. Right? And this is a raya to Rav Yechanan that it's a valid Yibam. You could stay with her. That's the Shita of the Chachamim. Says the Gemara, Tana Mishim Rav Eliezer, Rav Eliezer said, Yoytzi beget, you have to divorce her. We don't like the concept, what you did, because you married her when you shouldn't have, right? You're not supposed to do Yibam on a pregnant woman, and because you did, even though, yes, she did lose the baby, we force you to divorce her as a penalty. That's where Rav Eliezer she And then according to she would be ushered to him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Rebbe Yezer Shita. Because you married a woman you weren't supposed to, penalty. <coughs> Says the Gemara, Amar Rabba, Rav Meir, Rav Liezer, Amar Dabar Echad. Rav said, I believe Rav Meir agrees with Rebbe Liezer. Now, again, just remember, it's important to get the cases down. Rebbe Liezer is talking about a case where you married a, a woman who was pregnant. You did Yibam on a woman who was pregnant. So you did an Iser. You should not have done this. She lost the baby. So you could live with her one more time to do the mitzvah, and then you got to divorce her. That's Rav Eliezer. Rav says Rav Meir agrees with Rav Eliezer. What's Rav Meir talking about? Rav Meir is talking about the following situation. Rav Eliezer had Amr. What's Rav Meir? She did the Tanya. Lo yisa adam uberes chaveroi umenekes chaveroi. The halacha is Chazal did not allow you to marry. Yeah. Yeah. Chazal rabbinically forbade you from marrying um, a woman who widowed, who's widowed within two years of her of her losing her husband. Meaning if she's weaning, not, not just two years, if she's pregnant or if she's weaning, you're supposed to give her two years. We want her to be able to take care of that baby, wean the baby properly. We don't want you, we're afraid that if he marries the new husband, the husband's not going to care about because that's the ex-husband's kid. And she's going to neglect the baby. So for two years, you're not supposed to marry her if she's nursing. Okay? It's a, it's a, it's a rabbinic iser. So while the woman, she gives birth, she's nursing for two years, she's not supposed to get remarried. Let's say she did. You know what Rameir says? Divorce her. We force you to divorce her. So you see, it's the same thing. You did a rabbinic iser, meaning you married a woman you're not supposed to. We penalize you. Ah, oh, so it's the same. The Gemara says... Rameir says you have to divorce her and you can never remarry her. We penalize you that you can never remarry her. Because you married her when you shouldn't have, you have to divorce her and you can never remarry. say no. Divorce her. You have to divorce her because you're not supposed to marry her at the time. But you can take her back. So there's a machlaikis of whether a mayor feels there's machlaikis whether you whether you could take her back. You have to divorce her. The machlaikis of whether you could take her back. Rameir says no, as a penalty, Chum say yes. So what do you see? You see that Rameir holds that we penalize you. So he feels that Rameir and Revelyez are, are, are in lockstep. Rameir, again, was referring to marrying a woman who's, who's nursing the previous husband's baby. Revelyez was talking about doing Yibam on a pregnant woman. Both rabbinically, for, both not supposed to do. If you did, Revelyez says divorce. Rameir said divorce by the, by the nursing. So you see they're in lockstep. The Gemara says it's not a great proof that they are seeing eye to eye. Why? The Gemara says, The Gemara says, I'll tell you why it's not equitable for two reasons. What did Rav Liazah talk about? You did Yibam on a pregnant woman. Were you supposed to? No. 
When you do Yibam when you're not supposed to, are, are, what rabbinic, well, are you doing a rabbinic Avera? No, you're marrying your sister-in-law. So you can see why Rav Liezer is super, super strict. But I don't know what Rav Liezer would, talk, would say. I don't know if he would see eye to eye with Ramea. Ramea was talking about marrying a woman who's nursing. That's a complete rabbinic creation. Maybe Rav Liezer would be cool with that. That you divorce her for a little bit, you could take her back. I mean, just because Rav Liezer is strict in his case doesn't mean he'll be strict in the other case. In his case, it's his sister-in-law, which is an Eishas Achdereisa. The other case is rabbinic, so maybe he'd be chill in the rabbinic case. Or the opposite. You could look at it in the rabbinic case, maybe he'll be super strict, because sometimes we have this concept that rabbis have to be more strict because people are more lax in rabbinic Yisurim. But it could be Rav Meir would actually be chill in Rav Liezer's shita. Why? Because in Rav Liezer's case, everyone knows you should not have done this. And this is your sister-in-law. So it could be you don't have to make him divorce her forever. Like, what's the point of divorcing her? It's a penalty, right? Because you shouldn't have done this. It could be you don't have to penalize sister-in-laws. Like, this is such a... Um, like, everyone's afraid. Like, arias are pretty, you know, severe. It could be you don't need penalties. So you could look at it both ways. The point is, it's impossible to say that they're seeing eye-to-eye because one's rabbinic and one's biblical. And that can go... That could, that could make differences. You understand? Okay, Amarava, the Gemara just points out when the Chacham said that if you marry, you're nursing a woman who's nursing. So everyone, so Rameir says you have to divorce her, you can never take it back. The Chacham say divorce, you, you, divorce her, but you could take her back. The, Chum, the Gemara points out when the Chacham say divorce, they mean divorce, not just separate like you know, like uh, you know, like uh, when uh, couples aren't doing well, they say we're separated. No, it doesn't mean separated because you, you could argue the whole point is we don't want you to be with her when she's weaning the baby. You should just say, why do you have to divorce her? Just separate from her, go to a different house for two years, then come back and take her back. Why do you have to legally divorce her? The answer is no. When the Chum said divorce, they mean divorce. Rameir says divorce and never take it back. The Chum say divorce and you can take her back, but you have to divorce. Legal separation, just like separated is not good. Divorce. Yoitzi beget. I'll prove it to you. The Lushan is Yoitzi. It doesn't say Yafrish. Yafrish means to separate. Yoitzi means divorce. So it means that you have to divorce. Which, by the way, that means that if he's a Kayan, he can't, can't take her back. Okay. One more halacha. Okay. So we talked about this. I think Menashe asked me in the beginning of the daf, which is how long do you have to wait, right? We, we're talking in our daf about you did Yibam on a pregnant woman, and then she gives birth. So if the baby dies, if the baby survives. Like, what's the definition of dying or surviving? So I said 30 days. Gemara over here speaks it out. Because again, if, how do you know if it's a healthy baby, right? If it's a healthy baby, no yibum. Not healthy baby, yibum. So, like, what's the definition? So, Amr, uh, uh, Amr, uh, Amr Tanan. The Mishnah says later, uh, it says in Shabbos, If a baby survives 30 days, it's a valid baby. 30 days is considered not a stillborn. Even if the baby dies after 30 days, that's a health, that's, 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 that's a baby. In halacha, that's a baby. No, no chalitza. No, nothing. Correct. If they after thirty, days? after thirty days, it's considered a viable baby. Doesn't matter what happens afterwards. Therefore, if a woman gives birth to a baby and the baby survives thirty days, she is exempt from yibum chalitza because she had a baby. Oh, wow. Okay, haloisha, and let's say the baby didn't survive thirty days, so it's a suffolk. Because it doesn't mean that the baby was not a baby. It just means we don't know that it was. And a baby dies after 10 days from being born. Maybe it's halachically considered a valid baby. Maybe not. We just don't know. If it lasts 30 days, it for sure is. Before 30 days, we don't know. 
So then you would, I guess, have to do chalitza, misafik. We don't sit shiva, but they do bury. Before 30 days, they don't sit shiva. After 30 days, they do, right? I believe so. I have to check that up. I believe so. I know that they'll bury, like, in a cemetery, uh, okay. even before 30 days. I, do. Okay, I remember with my parents that, that that's what I think, I think so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the Gemara says... Let's say like this, a woman, she gives birth, her husband dies while she's pregnant. No co-wife, just her. She gives birth. Ten days after she gives birth, she loses the baby. So we don't know whether she needs even or chalitza. We don't, know, we don't know if she's exempt or she needs something. Instead of doing something, she got married. Someone gives her a ring. The day after she loses the baby, ten days after she gives birth, baby dies. That day, someone gives her in Harei The question is, is that a valid Kedusha? Because think about it. If it was a valid baby, then she's free. She, she, she's no Yibam. Valid Kedusha. If it was not a viable baby, then she needs Yibam or Chalitza, and she can't get married to someone else. So it's a Savik. Yeah? So we don't know what the situation is. So the Gemara says... If she's marrying, who's this guy? The guy gave her a ring, yeah? Who's that guy? If he's a Yisrael, let her do Chalitza. Do Chalitza Misafik. Just do Chalitza before you live with him, before you go to the Chopah. Just do Chalitza. That way you cover that. He can marry a Chalitza. But if she's going to marry a Koyin, don't make her do Chalitza because it's a Suffolk. And if you make her do Chalitza, then she can't marry the guy. So just better not. Just let it be. She could marry the guy. We could assume that it was a healthy baby. And, uh, okay, Meaning, from a suffix, we don't want to answer this marriage. So the Gemara says, If she's about to marry a Kayin, don't make her do Chalitza, because if she, may, if she does Chalitza, then she's puzzled and she can't marry the guy. We don't want her to not be able to move on. So we're just going to let it be. That's Rava's take. Rav Mesharshi made the Rav, that's Ravina in the name of Rav. Rav Mesharshi quotes Rav as saying, Achazu v'achazu chaylatzas. No, she has to do chaylatzas to both. And if that ends, if that ruins her engagement, so be it. Huh? So we have two different versions of what Rav said. The first version, and the Machlaikas is, do you have to do chaylatzas if the woman she got engaged to was a kain? Because he holds, I guess, you could be Saimichan. Most children are viable. You have a Chazaka that when babies are born, I know that the Chazaka was kind of ruined the fact that the baby did not survive 30 days, but she did give birth. It's not like it's not like a random woman who just, instead of doing Yerma Chalitza, just Mekadosh a guy. She did give birth, so you have that. No, I understand that, but my, my point is, from a halachic perspective, you you have you could rely on the fact that she did give birth, so she has something. And if you make her do chalitza, she's going to ruin this relationship. We don't want her to ruin her relationship. So you have two different versions of what Rava said. Let's just end with this. Ravina Ravina said to Ravina again. Ravina was the one who said that he heard from Rava that you do not you you do not do chalitza to the wife of the kain. Ravina said no, you do chalitza both. So you have a machlekes in Ravina Ravah Masharshia. What Rava said. So Ravina said to her Masharshia, "Beurta Maravahachi, Ubitzafar Haderbe." He says, Ravina said to her Masharshia, "You're not wrong, but you're not right. The what you're quoting, Rava, that's what Rava originally said. 
The next morning he changed his mind and he told me what he changed his mind. So what you're quoting was what he gave in Shir the night before, but you weren't there the next day when he got up and he said, I, I changed my, my opinion. So originally he said you have to do Chalitza by both Eishas Yisrael and Eishas Kayin, and if it ruins the relationship, so be it. But Ravina said, you should know, the next day he got up and he changed his mind. So Amrle he responded, sir, again, so that means that according to Rav Misharshi, Ravina's version, and we'll end with this line, Ravina's version, if she's Mekadish to a Yisrael, she should do Chalitza. To a Levi, she should do Chalitza. To a Kayin, it's fine. Rav Misharshi said, no, you have to do Chalitza always. Because she, she's, she's a Suffolk, whether she's Usser. Or it's a Suffolk whether she's Usser, you understand. It's like Adam said, she, she may not be allowed to marry the guy. But Ravina said, Rava changed his mind. And I'm telling you that Rava said. So Rav Misharshi, when he heard this, said, Sharisu, you're allowing this woman to marry this guy without Chalitza? Yehirava de Tishru Aftarva. Uh, may it be the will of God that you eventually uh, allow Chazer. Meaning, uh, meaning, if you're going to allow this, uh, you know, what's to stop you? Eventually you're going to be Mater uh, Tarvo as well. I will stop here.